Welcome to the Rig Report. My name is Scott Schweitzer, and I'm your host for today. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. We really appreciate that, and it does really help us out a lot. Today, we have a lot of great stories for you. I start off with Alexis Detroit. I got to speak with her recently about her journey from the Atlas Games to Mount Shasta in California for a great cause. Check it out. I am here with Alexis Detroit. Uh, she is an Atlas Games competitor who the morning after decided to go and give back to the community by doing a really cool event. And that's why we wanted to have her on today. So welcome, Alexis. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. So walk us through, you finished the Atlas Games. And what is the next 24 hours like? Yeah, so we finished and Carolyn uh, had to do um, her testing and then they had podium. So we didn't leave until like after six o'clock uh, back to Toronto, which is like a five hour drive. Um, got back pretty late, like 1230. Uh, next morning, I didn't really sleep. I was up at like 4 a.m. Uh, to get to the airport. Toronto's airport is crazy right now. So you have to get there pretty early. Um, was on a flight flew back to California. So it's like another five hour flight. Tried to sleep as much as I can because I didn't sleep at all. Um, and then got out there, immediately went to my house out there, uh, packed up my backpack, all my supplies, um, and then drove four hours to Mount Shasta, which is, I believe, California's highest peak. Um, or mountain, and it's part of like the Pacific Northwest uh, mountain chain, uh, which is about 14,100 feet elevation um, to go do a climb. So I didn't get much rest. Um, my body was a bit stiff, but like I knew I was going to do this climb over two years now, like I was supposed to do it uh, this past last year, couldn't do it because of COVID and travel restrictions. So um, I knew this was coming and I knew it was going to be tight with competition, but I was dedicated to the cause and everything going on. So, uh, made it to the climb on Monday and then we started on Tuesday. So you got there Monday night. Yeah. So I got there around like five, five thirty. went straight to like a welcome dinner, um, for breast cancer prevention, the organization uh, that was putting it on. And then we started early the next morning with like gear checks. Um, and then not as long as a climb the first day. So it was only three hours the first day, but, uh, still climbed nonetheless with a pretty much a 50 pound backpack. So the only advantage you had is going West. You got, you gained some time back. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that is still a crazy schedule. So you left Montreal at like six o'clock on Monday and you were at a welcome dinner in California at five 30 on Tuesday on Monday. Yep. Sunday to Monday, Sunday to Monday. Yep. Yeah. Sunday to Monday. That, that is crazy. And this was for breast cancer prevention. Yep. So, uh, the organization that, uh, my company cliff bar, uh, that I work for every year, they pick two sponsored climbers, uh, of our company to represent, um, cliff bar, uh, and fundraise for breast cancer prevention partners, which is a nonprofit organization that um, looks at all of the other factors that lead to breast cancer aside from genetics. So 
um, something that I found out is like more than 90% of breast cancer cases aren't linked to genetics. So there's something else causing it environmentally, whatever we eat, like something is causing it. So they look for what's causing that 90%. They go through uh, different companies and like say, we need to remove these products and chemicals from things that we're consuming. Uh, they go to environmental to see what's in the air. Uh, they'll look at like the areas that have higher cases of breast cancer and say, you know, what what's a link here and try to work with government, like enact, you know, laws and things to uh, to prevent those. So I really like it's a science based program and it leads to results. And I think that was big for me, too, is like I could see what they're doing and like it's actually leading to, you know, prevention for women. So, um yeah, like I knew going into this that this was going to be close for me and um, really passionate about like how I could use my fitness, use my platform to to fundraise and do things for organizations. So um, I was with about uh, 22 other climbers um, ranging. I would say I was one of the youngest at like 30. There may have been actually the youngest was a 16 year old with her mom. But um, like as far as the adults, most of them were um, in the 40s and plus. But there was even a 75 year old woman who did the climb with us. Um, so age ranges were all over and just like women who've battled breast cancer multiple times or you've had family members who've lost friends who have been lost or just really wanting to, to do something um, to help prevent it. So just amazing people that I was with. And, you know, you can't walk outside your house without knowing a couple people who have suffered breast cancer. It yeah. is, it is a very widespread and almost a pandemic type disease. Um, so what did the climb entail? Um, so the first day we climbed to base camp, which was about 8,500 uh, feet elevation, so 8,500. Um, and the goal that day was like to get acclimated uh, to the higher elevation. So we started, I think it was like about 3000 uh, was where like um, the city is. And then you drive a bit and then you're climbing for like a little over three hours to get to the base camp. Um, and then that first day was more so like, let's get acclimated to the air. Uh, let's do some uh, ice training. So um, there's still snow on the mountain, like at certain spots. So you have to learn how to use your crampons, which are like um, spikes that go into your shoe and then a pickaxe so that you learn how to climb and then you're roped together. So you're tied to different uh, team members. So it was just like learning all of these things. Um, and then, yeah, just like getting to know your team that you're with and the the guides that you have. Um, that first day they had me, they had us rent boots um, and I have like all the regrets. I got blisters like my first climb there. So I was already like um, struggling that first day. But um, and then you go to bed pretty early. Uh, you wake up at two in the morning the next day. So not much sleep again. Um, and you're not really sleeping like you're just thinking about what's going to happen. But that second day, there was a full moon, which was amazing. Um, so we woke up at like 2 a.m., had a quick breakfast and it was the summit day. So you do over 10 hours of climb and ascent and descent. Um, 
And I mean, someone was like, how was the view? Like, are you looking at the stars? I'm like, no, you're looking down at your feet. Like <laughs> you're just trying not to fall. Um, so you're climbing pretty much the entire day um, with your group and your group had like every group had less than 10 people just for safety. And they want you spread out on the mountain. Like they don't want a large group to just like compromise the, the nature. So you kind of spread out. Um, we were climbing and we made it to uh, almost like the, the plateau and the, um, the peak but the winds at the top were over 80 miles per hour um, and upwards of 100. So at that point, they're like, OK, this isn't safe. Um, the week prior, there was a safety incident and someone passed away on the mountain, unfortunately. Um, so they were a lot more cautious on uh, what we were doing. And we were on the opposite side of where the accident happened, though. Um, but they turned everybody around before the, the plateau. So um, everybody had to get turned down but you're like hiding behind rocks like falling over from the wind like it was very windy uh but it's like a team so like everybody's there to support you roped into each other um you make it down i would say most people made it down around like before 4 p.m was like the latest so about 3 a.m to 4 p.m of client ascend descent um and then you're back at base camp for the night um eating dinner, hanging out with, like, reflecting on everything that happened, like, talking about the climb, like, trying to get your feet to feel a bit better. My knees were uh, in the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Like, it was very hard. Like, you think about a CrossFit workout being, like, less than 30 minutes, maybe even less than 10 minutes, but this you're, like, climbing for 10 hours. Like, we don't really train that long uh, of a time at that uh just like a steady state uh, with a heavy backpack. So um, using my fitness, you're like, dang, I'm fit. But like, there's women there that are older than me or, you know, um, who don't do competitive CrossFit, but like are so good on that mountain that you're like, they're inspiring me to like keep going or I'm looking up to them and like getting tips from them on how to actually walk uh, or like what my steps should be um, and how I should be walking on the mountain. So um, and then the Thursday we did uh, the climb down. So it was about like another two hours to get down, which was nicer than climbing up. Um, yeah. Then you have like a celebration dinner reflection um, and like a thank you thing. And then left on Friday. And so the way the organization earns money is through the sponsorship through Cliff Bar, correct? With you. Uh, so every climber fundraised um, and we had a goal as a group to, I think our initial goal was, I don't know, maybe it was less than like 250,000 as a group. Uh, we ended up raising 300, over 350,000 for the organization. Um, awesome. And that's through all of the fundraising efforts. Like one woman uh, who raised the most, she wanted to raise 50,000 for her 50th birthday. Just, uh, she was on the board of the organization and she is just like very passionate uh, and hustled like, nobody's business and ended up raising over 70,000. So like everybody had their own personal goal of what they wanted to hit. So I was close to my, uh, to the 10,000 mark. I think I was at uh, about 9,000. Um, and my goal was about 7,000. So I passed uh, my fundraising goal too, but um, Cliff Bar is one of their, like uh, 
aside from like sending two climbers and then those climbers fundraising for the the cause they also like do grants for the organization so they'll they'll fund them other ways too and then they send cliff bars and other support to them uh for their events so they try to continue to be involved um in that piece but yeah every person is fundraising and you know trying to to get as much as we can for the organization is there any way that people can donate now yeah so i have a link still um i don't know how long the link will be live but there's always on the website there's always a link uh to donate so i could i could post that or send it to you and you could have it um their organization we'll put it down below in the description bcpp.org and then i have like a slash but um always looking for donations like they're utilizing every piece of that and they're, you know, funded by these fundraisers or grants from uh, different companies that help sponsor them. So um, all nonprofit. And it fits in with Cliff Bar because the packaging is a person climbing a mountain. Oh yeah. And that's the roots of Cliff Bar is like outdoor fitness and like those endurance based events. So they started with biking, wanted to climbing longer runs, and now you see it kind of everywhere in like a kid's lunchbox or soccer games. And just like uh, our slogan is like nutrition for sustained energy. So just like continuing to, to go uh, and be on the go and just like sustain. So I think I ate a lot of uh, we have like the cliff gel blocks. Those are what I lived off on the mountains. Um, yeah. So very good. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that I got the opportunity and now I'm trying to stay as close as I can. So um, like CrossFit does a lot with, uh, pink October and like their breast cancer events. So I reached out to some of those, um, competitions that run like girls gone RX is a big one, uh, that does that to see if there's a way to partner there because, um, you know, prevention can also be being fit, like using fitness, like, um, understanding your health and wellness and like, uh, eating better in those pieces and it links directly with CrossFit. So, um, and what are like, what the mission and foundations of CrossFit are. And if I could use that in those platforms and continue to fundraise for this organization that's doing great things in the environment and health factors, then I'm going to continue to do that. Well, that is an awesome story, Alexis. You are an OG CrossFitter. You've been around the game a very long time and you are an advocate for so many people do you have anything else coming up in the near future? Um, I'm not quite sure yet uh, of things that I do. Generally, I do another fundraiser for um, an organ. I didn't do it for semi, so I would usually do a, uh, like a T-shirt sale, but donate 100% of the proceeds to a nonprofit um, like inner city organization. So. I'll probably do something along those lines going into the fall, but more so like a competition and then donate those funds to an organization or sponsor a kid who wants to come in and do CrossFit. So those are things uh, that I love to do, just like bringing in more kids to fitness and introducing them to that. Um, Not so much that they have to drop everything and specialize in CrossFit, but how they can get their family involved, you know, teach their family about nutritional things uh, at home and, uh, just getting people moving and healthy because that's like the biggest thing to pre- prevent chronic disease and, uh, you know, sickness from plaguing us. So. Well, I got to know you uh, during our Meet the Athlete series of the semifinals. Uh, you're one of my favorite people now. And <laughs> uh, you. 
and people should follow you on Instagram because you do so much for so many groups of people and your Instagram handle is if you're watching on YouTube is at the bottom of the screen if you're listening on a podcast it is at its Lex 24 yep so make sure you follow her um, to see all the great things she's doing and we hope to have her back on the on the rig report soon so thank you so much for joining us alexis thank you scott appreciate it thank you so much alexis and what an amazing story and i love what you are doing in the community and can't wait to stay in touch with you next up we have type one lifting who sits down with jeff zwally he is a tiktoker he is a crossfitter and he's an openly gay man this month is pride month and we wanted to get his impressions of what that means to him all right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have a very interesting guest. Like, I've been following him on TikTok for quite a while. So uh, he also owns a CrossFit gym as well. This is uh, influencer Jeff Zwali. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Not bad. Thank you for coming on the show. Like, um, when I first saw you, it was pretty much on TikTok. And so, but before TikTok, I want to kind of talk about uh, and even owning a CrossFit gym, I kind of want to talk about like how you even got started. Cause I know in the beginning you had a nine to five job. So um, what were yeah. you doing at your nine to five job? So believe it or not, for the last, I'd say 30 plus years, I was working in the fast food industry. Okay. So I went to Penn state and have a bachelor's in microbiology and a master's in food science. And of all things I ended up, graduating with my master's and going to work for Domino's Pizza Corporate in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And I worked for them for 20 years. Great job, great company. Ended up uh, eight years in international, basically traveling the world. That's awesome. Things, developing pizza cheese and pizza sauce like in Australia and Korea, uh, Taiwan, Greece. Uh, I remember one time sitting in Athens, Greece, thinking, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> it's like, you know, kind of like backtracking, like this led to this, led to this. And now I'm sitting here like in Athens, Greece, going to a pizza supplier for Domino's Pizza. So I, I did that for 20 years. And after 20 years, uh, I kind of wanted to do something different. So I ended up taking a job down in Miami with Burger King and kind of doing the same thing there. My my roles at, at Domino's and Burger King were basically developing new products. So I led the menu development team and marketing. Mm -hmm. So my team was the one that came up with like the Philly cheesesteak pizza and, you know, the Buffalo wild, you know, the Buffalo wings. And then was at Burger King for four years and uh, left there and ended up in Southern California working for all places, Jack in the box. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I, I tell people I spent the first 30 years making people unhealthy. Now I'm spending the rest of my time making people healthy uh, uh, and kind of semi-retired. Um, not really my choice uh, was uh, laid off, let go, left the industry four years ago, yeah, four years ago, took a year off and then uh, ended up investing in buying a CrossFit gym. Okay. Okay. I've been doing the last three years. It's, yeah. Uh, so were you tip, were you typically like eating, like, like when you're working at Domino's and then Burger King and Jack in the box, you were like eating their food and stuff. I would literally come down like a Jack in the box. I would literally come down to the test kitchen and at nine o'clock in the morning, the, um, 
the person who was in charge of the burger category, I would have nine burgers li lined up in front of me. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I mean, we, we would use spit cups like they do on, in the wine industry. Yeah, yeah. You can't eat all this stuff. So you chew it and then you, you, know, you, you spit it out. But like nine o'clock, I'm eating burgers and 10 o'clock, I'm having fries. And in the afternoons, it's shakes and chicken sandwiches. And, you know, the food's good. But after a while, my focus in terms of kind of what I really wanted to do was not that. I loved the creative part, you know, the marketing and creating things. But it got harder and harder to eat that food every day. I, yeah, I was just going to ask you that. So yeah. uh, wait, with Domino's, were you, did you, I know you said you make the Philly cheesesteak burger. Did you do the barbecue chicken one too as well? Yeah, I mean, when I was, at, and this is like 15 years ago, um, we were doing like, uh, I mean, we would come out with like five or six new pizzas a year. So we were always coming up with something different, but I worked on like the Philly cheesesteak pizza. I did, my team developed the, uh, the Buffalo wings. Uh, the New York style, the deep dish. We did all that. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, so you were also talking about social media, like, you know, learning how to do social media. So obviously you're, you're pretty well known on TikTok and you're pretty well known on Instagram. <laughs> so how, how, like, first of all, like, how did you even like want to sign up for an account on TikTok? And like, did you even realize like you were going to explode that the way you did? Uh, well, it was during COVID. Um, and then I was doing the social media for our, our gym and, uh, and I had my personal account and, uh, got on TikTok during COVID and was just playing around with it. I had, had it, I had it as the gym account Okay. and really wasn't getting a lot of traction because it was, a, it was a business account. So I thought, what the hell I'll, I'll switch it over to my personal account. <laughs> and then, uh, started getting more views and I made this really, and they say, this is what happens. I made this really quick video uh, post of, uh, can you, can you skip to the good part? That, that trending sound. Yeah. yeah. And it was me like in a suit and skipping to the good part was like owning the gym. And this thing went off like over the weekend. And I think it's like 1.3 million views now. Dang. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I mean, people were reaching out to do like pie. Like I got this uh, woman from LinkedIn who reached saw on, saw on her TikTok and reached out to me on LinkedIn. And uh, she went to interview me and put me on a webcast for this thing that they were doing on LinkedIn about the great resignation. And uh, I, you're like the third person that's reached out from, to do a podcast with. And, oh, cool. Uh, and then just kind of got hooked doing, you know, the TikToks and um, just making having fun with it. And I, I, I thought it was going to do more of like a um, perspective of like a business owner, but now it's just more of a kind of a fun account. And yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I love it how you like kind of mix both together of like business and doing fun at the same time. So, yeah. cause I, I remember like, you had that video of like, how do you, how, how do I clean my gym after a rainstorm? And then like the next one, you're just like doing like a, a you know, doing a skit that you had like a, you know, a voice, you're not even doing a voice or, but like you had a voice at like talking and then like, you're doing that, doing something, you know, well, that, that cleaning video with the Zamboni. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Quarter million views. <laughs> it's like of me cleaning the gym. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't get the algorithm, but I, I don't either. I mean, I've, I've gotten viral on one post. I, I, what it was, was 
I was doing three hang cleans, um, hang, hang, hang cleans, hang power cleans. And this girl was like in the background and I didn't really notice in the video until my buddy showed me and he, she's just sitting there staring at me, like drinking water and like, and just watching me doing the cleans. And then like, it just absolutely blew up. Cause I put an arrow arrow on her. And so like it, I don't, for some reason I hit like six, 600,000 views, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been able to hit that. Like after that. So yeah, it comes and goes and, and now it's just more for fun. And, uh, yeah, I like it. It's fun. Yeah. And also you, you've, you've got some like a little exposure on, on, um, on and it's Instagram too, as well. Yeah. Just from that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, because I'm running the account there and then my personal account and you start watching YouTube videos on how to grow and how to, how to edit and that type of thing. And then you learn about the algorithm and, uh, but, I'm getting, and, and, and now brands are reaching out <laughs> and I'm, they're paying me for like content. So I, yeah, yeah. I mean, people are sending me things to review and paying me for content and sure. Uh, one of the questions I had to you since, um, it's gay, gay pride month. So what is, what does gay pride month mean to you? Wow. So, um, I mean, 30 years ago, so what, I graduated high school in 1981, and it was very different mm -hmm. uh, back then. I mean, and I always knew, but, you know, you kind of push it down and think, okay, I can, like, pretend, like, I can, I can change. And uh, I mean, back then was, like, the whole AIDS crisis. So even that was, like, going through your head. So nowadays, especially here in our dark blue bubble of Southern California, <laughs> very liberal state, yeah, it's very different. So I think what gay pride means to me now is just showing people that you can be who you are uh, and be out and proud about it. I mean, I never would have thought I'd be on a podcast telling someone that I'm gay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, now, I don't know how many people are going to see it. And now with even like the social media, it's like at some point you got to own it. You know, it's like life is short. Um, you know, and it's like, what are you waiting for? Mm -hmm. you know, live your moment. And yeah. not just with your, like your, with Cape pride, but the whole, like leaving my job. And, and I see so many people like waiting to like be who they are or do what they want to do or travel. And you don't know what life is going to bring in next week and where you're going to be and how healthy you're going to do. And you know, just do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, yeah. So for me, gay pride is just owning it and being who you are. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Tom, for doing that interview with Jeff. Great stories. And I can't wait to hear more. Next up, we have our friends from fantasy fitnessing. Catherine walks us through the last chance qualifier and what that means for their game. You can find that game at fantasyfitnessing.com. Catherine here from Fantasy Fitnessing. Just going to talk a little last chance qualifier, kind of what we're doing for the game and who's sort of going, what's happening. And a little get, get excited about last chance qualifiers. All right. So first things first, the invites have been sent out. The leaderboard is slowly populating. Doesn't seem to be populating quite as fast as things on Instagram. So there's people that have kind of posted about accepting their invite, but aren't on the leaderboard yet. So 
as of this moment in time, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on the 24th of June, we've got Hazim Trifi, Nick Matthew, Dennis Samsonov, Mitchell Stevenson, Jacob Pfaff, Tyler Christopher, Ruin Potiger, Darren Zernamer, Fabian Benito, Jack Douglas, Yonikowski, Luka Ducic, Jake Berman, Tim Paulson, Cassine Raquelme, Jeremy Vigneault, and James Sprague. People like Bailey Martin, he has posted about it. So keep an eye out as hopefully this loads up a bit more. On the women's side, we've got Fisa Gaffey, Alina Cartella, Swana, Hattie Kano, Oricon, Masha Savina, Calista Lang, Kelly Clark, Ohana Moya, Duan Young, Taylor Howe, Catherine Davis daughter, Jamie Simmons, Madeline Sturt, Chloe Wilson, Tori Dyson, Christina Levitakakis, Gabby McClellan, Ariel Lowen, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, and Christine Best. So when we loaded our game, we put everybody that qualified because there was no leaderboard to sort of go from at that point. We are going to be trimming athletes out of the game probably like Tuesday this week. Um, we'll be emailing everybody that set a lineup to make sure, kind of highlighting who we've removed, who's on your team, and just sort of raise that flag for you to make sure that you check that all the athletes that you have on your team are competing. So Dave's team at this moment in time is Jamie Simmons, Ariel Lowen, and Chloe Wilson, James Sprague, Luka Ducic, and Tyler Christopher. My team's got Dennis Samsonov, Yonikowski, and James Sprague, Katrin, David Daughter, Taylor Howe, and Jamie Simmons. So those are our lineups right now. I think all of those people have accepted and are on the game site leaderboard, so they're kind of safer lineups. So yeah, log in to fantasyfitnessing.com, play with it a bit, and set your lineup. We have made all of the athletes $40, so nobody's weighted, seated any higher than anybody else. So, and then change the salary cap to 240 bucks. So three athletes on the men's side, three athletes on the women's side. Pick who you think is going to do the best. It's kind of the first time crossing over since the Open, but the Open is just such a big thing that could be a fun one to see sort of how it all shakes out as everybody is competing across the world again. So that is our game get in on it. Also make sure you follow us on Instagram at fantasy fitnessing. We're going to post different like stats and profiles and things like that, that might sort of inform you a bit more about different athletes and make you think about things that might want to change things up. Who knows? Or set your lineup and it'll be perfect. But yeah, so that's our game. That's sort of who's in there. Kind of looked at last year's events. Um, it had the 40-30-18 Cal Row, and then dumbbell hang snatches, three rep deadlift, 100 burpees to a target, and then the double under squat cleans, legless rope climbs, sort of descending reps, ascending weight. Definitely sort of doable by everybody in the field. It'll be interesting to see if they do put another sort of like heavy max lift in We've done some already this year. Do we need another one? Who knows? There are other podcasts debating those things. Um, yeah, so it looks like it could be a fun one, even if just the athletes that are there are the ones that compete. There's lots of names. We've got past games champs. We've got perennial games athletes. We've got people coming back from injuries. 
people that weren't able to compete at their semifinal that were given a spot at last chance because of travel restrictions and issues. So it could be a really cool event. Too bad it's online, so we'll be able to watch people head to head, but the CrossFit Games leaderboard will be refreshing often. So yeah, have some fun with it. Log into our game. See who gets those last games ticket spots. It's going to be a big weekend. Lots of big names competing. It should be fun. All right. We will see you on the leaderboard. Thank you, Catherine. And be sure to check out more from Fantasy Fitnessing at fantasyfitnessing.com and here on the Clydesdale Media Podcast Network. Finally, we have Cheryl Nasso, host of Fit Body Secrets. She is going to talk to us about how do you know when you are overtraining? All right, guys, what is up? It is Coach Cheryl here from Fit Body Secrets. And today's episode, I am actually going to be answering a listener's question. I thought this question is one that is, even if you haven't asked it yourself, you've thought about it yourself. But I know that it is one that we often have a lot of opinions on and want to kind of go ahead and give you guys my opinion and hopefully give you guys some things to consider and uh, hopefully help you guys out with this. So the question is, how do you know when you're overtraining or overdoing it? This week, I did three classes, WADS Monday through Wednesday, then two weightlifting sessions on Thursday and Friday. Tomorrow is a team workout. I feel fine, a little achy and stiff in areas, but not sore. Whoop giving me a decent recovery score. When do you know you're overdoing it? Is rest and recovery overrated if you feel fine? Just conscious everyone telling me to take it easy. This is such a good question. And it really is an it depends answer because everybody's going to be a little bit different in terms of how much volume they can tolerate. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys some things to think about when you're figuring out how much volume you can tolerate. Uh, you guys are all familiar with Rich Froning. He is definitely the goat in my opinion. He's been around for a long time and he very rarely takes a rest day. However, he's accumulated years and years and years of volume. So he knows what to be looking for in his body when he's under recovered. I'm going to start by just pointing out one question that you had though, in this question, this question in a question is, is rest and recovery overrated if you feel fine? First and foremost, rest and recovery is not overrated. It is how you make gains. It is how you make progress in the gym. We need it. But sometimes it might look different for everybody. I think that there's a, a misconception of what rest and recovery is. Um, your rest and your recovery periods should hopefully be getting you ready for the next day. Just because you feel fine doesn't mean you don't still need to recover and repair and get ready for the next day. You don't always have to be smashed to feel like you need to have a day to rest and recover. Sometimes I take a rest day and I'm like, okay, it's my rest day, but I don't really feel like tired. That's a good thing. Other times I need a rest day and I'm not supposed to have a rest day. So it's really important to learn how to listen to your body, but I am going to go ahead and go over a couple of things to consider. She mentioned the whoop strap, which if you listen to my last rig report, I talked a little bit about the whoop strap and or ring and all those different things. They are good metrics for you guys to look at because what they're, what you're seeing a lot of times in your recovery score is how, how well you're sleeping and also your HRV or your heart rate variability. Your heart rate variability is a great thing for you to see how well your central nervous system is recovered. And so that is a good piece for you guys to consider when you're looking at things like going in and PRing a lift or you're you know doing a lot of high stress level movements that require a ton of thinking. So wanting to have that in a good place is probably good. 
it doesn't mean that just because it says you're not recovered, that you're not going to be able to go in and still do those movements. It's just showing you that according to your body right now, your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system may not be optimal. doesn't mean that you can't still train. It just means that that's something to think about. If your trends are going down and you're also seeing decreases in your lifts, or you're not feeling as snappy and things that might be a sign to listen to that and pay attention to it. But going into this woman's question or man's question, I'm not sure which one it is, um, is, is how do you know if you're overtraining or you're overdoing it? So here are some things that I want you guys to think about. And this goes for whether your goal is to perform your best for a competition, whether you're just trying to get the most out of your CrossFit workouts and you want to be able to live your life. So number one is changes in sleep quality and quantity. If you are all of a sudden not sleeping like you normally do and nothing else has changed in your life, uh, meaning all of a sudden you're waking up frequently, even if it's to use the bathroom, um, or if you just find that you can't fall asleep, you can't stay asleep, you're kind of got this weird like sensation of being wired and tired at the same time. That's one of the biggest symptoms of being a little bit overtrained or not recovered enough. Another thing to pay attention to is your mood and not just like feeling depressed, but also like how, how things trigger you throughout the day. Do you get anxious very easily? Are things setting you off easily? Um, are you actually depressed? Are you kind of crying a little bit more? This has happened to me in my CrossFit career where I've went through periods where all of a sudden everything makes me upset. Um, so how is your mood changing? Are you noticing changes in your mood? Changes in your appetite are another big things. And for some people, that means they're starving all the time. They're getting a lot of cravings. For others, it might be actually a decrease in their appetite, that they're having a hard time getting in enough calories. And that's often coupled with a weight loss and not a, not a desired weight loss and, and all of a sudden, sudden weight loss. So it's really important that I think those are probably the three main things to be looking at in terms of knowing if you're overtraining or overdoing it. Obviously, another one which she mentioned, she's a little achy and stiff. Yeah, if you're getting a lot of injuries all of a sudden, you, you, you find that you're getting sick very often. Those things are going to be more of a compounding of a long term, which is what I want to kind of go into now is overtraining doesn't typically happen after a couple of days of hard workouts. Overtraining is something that happens over months and even years of just pounding the body into the ground and, and, re, and just not ever recovering. It takes a long time to really get into an overtrained state. However, what a lot of people are doing is they're not recovering enough. And so their, their results are suboptimal. They're not getting as good of results. And I want to differentiate a little bit the difference between overreaching and overtraining because overreaching is you're kind of walking that fine line. Um, it's usually if you do CrossFit and you're like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then Thursday's your lower day or your rest day, and then Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday's your day off. Usually by Wednesday with the compounding stress of training and work and, you know, maybe even some sleep stuff because you've been staying up late for work and stuff like that or getting projects done, you might find that you're like, oh, thank God it's a rest day. But then come Friday, you're like, oh, I feel good again. So you might see those slight decrease in your performance, but they're not, a, they're not a consistent decrease. You just might not feel your best overreaching is something that we want to do. We want to kind of be pushing that fine line. If we're looking to make a breakthrough happen, we kind of need that overreaching state. So the last thing I want to talk about today is kind of obviously overtraining, under recovery, overreaching. They are a part of fitness. You are going to often experience some days and times where you probably don't feel your best, um, but it makes the days you feel your best feel really good. And you're usually going to get really good scores in your workouts and feel awesome. But 
how can we optimize things to ensure that we are getting the most out of our training and that we are preventing ourselves from under recovery, which is probably the more common thing that we're seeing and what you're likely experiencing from people telling you to be conscious of things. Number one, if you feel good, I personally don't think that the volume you're doing looks super high. Some people, like I said, you can't go by everybody. Everybody's very different. What what one person sees as a lot of volume, another person might see as like a deload week. So you have to understand um, where you're at. I often find that a lot of endurance athletes often have a higher tolerance to volume. And I think that it's because they do so much of that lower intensity work, which is really good for recovery. And it's one of the reasons why you'll notice that a lot of the, you know, a lot of the competition style blogs are now incorporating a ton of like 30 to 40 minute zone two sessions, because it does help the body recover, allows you to tolerate a little bit more volume. So how can we optimize things? Well, there is one way is making sure that you're doing some lower intensity work. It doesn't have to be zone two work all the time, but I do think like two sessions a week, usually after like that hard session, if you do like a really hard, like maybe it's a quicker workout that you really tax your body, a longer aerobic piece where you're not pushing yourself too much is going to be a really good way to recover from that. Um, Other things to be doing is uh, doing some stretching, mobility, things that are going to help you guys tap into that parasympathetic nervous system. Also watching out for any joint issues and stuff like that. So if you want to be able to hire or handle higher volume, you're going to have to put a little bit more work in on the recovery. And then also going into recovery is making sure that you're getting in enough sleep and that your quality of sleep is good. So there's only so long you can live, you know, going on, you know, very like poverty sleep numbers, right? You want to make sure that you're getting in enough sleep because over time, that compounding stress of lack of sleep is going to cause you to start to under recover going to lead you into that overtraining and you're going to see diminishing returns on your lifts and your performance. Um, so making sure that you're getting in quality sleep and that it's good. Um, and then obviously I think another piece is getting in enough calories, getting in enough carbohydrates, getting in enough protein. I think that people really underestimate the importance of nutrition for recovery because they see it as almost like a nuisance. And I'm a believer that nutrition is medicine and that we are going to be our best if we feed our bodies the best. And that means not just focusing on food quality, but getting in enough of those high quality foods, high quality carbohydrates, high quality proteins to allow our body to recover. Um, And as you're going to notice here, I didn't mention any supplements because supplements can also help with recovery, but they're so minimal, you know? So I think that as long as those basics are covered, you're probably off to a good start. And then the last thing that just to touch on here is understanding what your motivating factors are and what your overall goals are for going into the gym so often. If it's something that you truly enjoy, it's going to be a lot harder to overtrain because you're always going to be looking at optimizing things. You're going to be going to the gym, like looking at what haven't I touched on this week and, and you're going to be motivated by those things. Just make sure that you don't burn out the candle too fast. So know that progress happens over time and that sometimes more volume short-term isn't always going to get you the progress you want long-term. Sometimes just following a structured program, uh, which it does look like you have a pretty good structure there. I like the, the Monday through Wednesday classes and then the, uh, the Thursday and Friday and uh, being more weightlifting focused and then a Saturday teamwork. I think that's a good balance. So uh, that's it guys. Hopefully that was helpful for you all out there and keep it in the gym. Thank you, Cheryl. That was awesome. And you can catch so much more with Cheryl on Fit Body Secrets right here on the Clydesdale Podcast Network or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I want to end today's show with a little bit of a thought. I know a lot has happened politically over the last few weeks. 
And I see a lot of things on social media that I do not like. And this is what I want to say. I have thoughts and I have opinions about a lot of things. And those are based on what I have experienced and what I have learned in my life. And in no way do I think I am smart enough or have learned enough from my perspective to know the complete story on any topic. What makes this country great is the ability to sit down with people from different backgrounds and different perspectives than I have. That's how you learn. That's how you grow. And that's how you understand. What's happening right now in this country with the divisiveness and the hate is hurting my soul. Love and understanding is greater than hate. And with that, I'll say, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore media. And we'll see you next time on The Rig Report.